Cairo, Seattle. Well, everybody, welcome to Bark. We're back again with episode number two. And I really appreciate it. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to episode number one of season two, but Dr. Terry Tomchek, she's my vet. Or, Aaron, I just found out that she was my vet because... <gasps> should I have been bothered by this? Because I found out that she retired. Oh. And she didn't tell me. Really? Yeah. She didn't it's... tell me. And I suppose, I, like, I don't feel like I'm, you know that much of a, a client that should be a preferred client. Like what, what's she going to do? Call everybody and tell them that she's retired. Right. But I, I felt that way anyway. I was like, <laughs> Hey, Dr. Terry, I've been coming to see you for 30 years with three different dogs. And then come to find out that she ended up retiring and there was some corporate stuff going on and she mm-hmm. just decided what the heck. And I think she's in her late sixties and uh, wanted to spend more time with her daughter and her cats and, and different things. But, uh, yeah, I talked to her yesterday, though, and I, uh-huh. ga- I gave her a hard time about that. And the first episode of season two, we talked about the importance of having a good vet. And it really is. I mean, all the different things, because you end up getting a vet and you're with them so so often and, and you want the best care for your dog. And she told me, you know, who I could go to next. And she was hoping I'd stay with Alpine Animal Hospital. But, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, do you think she owed me a call? No, I don't think she owed you a call, but I understand why you would feel that way. Because like we said in that episode, that there's such a connection between you and your vet, and especially you who've been going for decades to see the same person who takes care of the animals that you love so much that you feel like you have a real connection with them. But does she owe you a phone call? No. (laughs) I knew the answer to that before I even asked you. Mm -hmm. But you're right. You end up, and if you're listening, you probably probably have a dog, and and you know your vet really well, and you just rely on them so much. And it starts out where you end up going in, you meet your vet, but over time you feel like they're one of your best friends. Yeah, and they've saved the life of your best friend, potentially. You know, that's how I felt about my my vet when i had my cat who had surgery i was just like this guy you're my guy oh yeah you saved you saved lucy yeah yeah well and then every time it's i always say to her i go terry what would you do if this was your dog you know when 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 i have health concerns with my my two previous golden retrievers and what would you do if this was your dog and that's that's what i always ask her and you always rely on that advice so i'm, I'm but i'm happy for I'm gonna. She's living up in Edmonds, uh, outside of Seattle, and I'm gonna go up and have lunch with her. And and uh, oh, cool. Yeah, I just. Uh, she's such a special person that even though she's retired, I don't think we're gonna lose touch. But we're getting ready to talk to Dr. Terry. Yeah. About breeder versus rescue, and Aaron. And by the way, this is Aaron Mason. Hello. I don't think I have officially introduced you, but you're my hand holder, and you've <laughs> helped me through this whole project. And I'm going to miss you when you're not around. Oh, thanks, buddy. Because this is the last season we're working together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's going to happen with Bark, but you're on uh, Cairo Nights. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. On, on they, the FM side, 97.3. Uh-huh. Did they screwed right? up and put me on air. <laughs> yeah. So there you are. You're going to be a huge success. Thanks, buddy. I already know that. But uh, no, Aaron's been great here. And I know that we differ a little bit on this because I've always gotten a golden retriever from a, a purebred dog, basically from a breeder. But I, I wrestle with maybe as I've gotten older, I'm thinking, man, I should get a rescue. This is why should I go get a puppy from a breeder when there's so many dogs that need homes? And so I'm torn on this one. Yeah, that's something I think about a lot. I, I My sister breeds animals for a living. That's something she does. 
So I understand that side of it and the value there. And, you know, there are certain people who are looking for a very certain type of, of dog. And I get that. But for me personally, I'm because of what you just said, Jim, is is why I, I usually adopt. I think there are so many animals that need homes that are around already. I just don't care what type, you know, I, I'm not looking for a specific breed. Generally, I'm more of a cat guy than a dog guy. Mm-hmm. I know I shouldn't say that on Bark. No, that's but, okay. And you just got a kitten. But I did. I just got a kitten. My hands are scratched up to prove that. But for my adult life, outside of the last year or two, I've always had a cat, at least one. And they are generally adopted as older animals. I like to go in there and, and help out the old guys because they don't get adopted as quickly as the younger ones do. And it's just a great experience. I think we're going to talk about old dogs. Yeah, we are. We're going to talk to artist DeVries later in this episode from Old Dog Haven. It's not a shelter, but they look for homes for senior dogs. I just think it's so cool what what they're doing there at Old Dog Haven. And we'll get more into that with Ardith DeVries, who's the executive director there at Old Dog Haven. Later in this episode, there was also a, a story of note that I want to point out before we get going here, talking to Dr. Terry. Steve Gregg is a Colorado accountant. And I saved this little message because I thought, man, I want to find out more about this guy. And I think I'd like to interview him, too, because his dog died. And then he thought he felt so bad he couldn't get over it. And he just thought, what can I do to feel better? What would make me feel better? And so he went to a a local shelter there in Colorado and told him, I want the dogs that people don't want. Mm. And so he went in there and most of them are senior dogs. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's part of it. People, I think people don't necessarily, when you go through the grief process of when your dog dies, you don't want to just like get, get right on the horse and do that again and have that feeling again. But he just went in and he got all these older dogs. He ended up, the first one that he got was named Eeyore, the Chihuahua, (laughs) 12 years old, heart murmur, four bad knees. And he took the Chihuahua home and he's now got eight senior dogs, all that have health issues including his sister's dog and his roommates. He's got a pig, cats, chickens, <laughs> ducks, pigeons, a rabbit, and a pond full of fish, too. Anyway, I want to meet this guy. And, and we got to get him on an episode of Bark, because that's a special person. If he wants dogs that no one else wants, how cool is that? Yeah, that's super cool. That's a good dude. Yeah, so we'll find out more about Steve Gregg later on. But for now, we're going to get into this topic of getting a puppy from a breeder or getting a rescue dog from a shelter or the Humane Society And we thought if we brought in Dr. Terry, I want you to get to know Dr. Terry like I've gotten to know her. She's so cool. When you decide to get a new dog after your dog dies, and it's it's always, and I know everyone is different, and some people go out, get another dog right away, or they Mm -hmm. wait. uh, Because for me anyway, it it took me a while after, especially Mm -hmm. after Willie died, because I felt like it was disrespectful to him Mm -hmm. that that I might be bringing in a quote-unquote replacement dog, and I didn't want to be doing that. But this last time when I got River, and I I got him from a breeder down in Chehalis, but I wrestled with it this time. And, And the first two times I didn't with getting a golden retriever, and I love the breed, but this time it really affected me because I was trying to weigh out the Humane Society, dog shelters, rescue mm-hmm. rescue dogs. Should I be getting a rescue dog versus a purebred? And a little bit of me feels guilty about it. So what are some of the pros and cons that are involved with this? Well, I think that if you know uh, uh, that you're suited to a certain type of dog, you should stick with that. 
so many people don't know. And I think a lot of times they watch the Kennel Club show and pick the cutest one or something like that. What's important is the bond that you feel with that type of personality. So I don't think you should ever feel guilty that you didn't go to a shelter or the Humane Society. Um, I think there are tons of people out there that that do that, but it's not a bad thing to know that you like a certain breed. I can think of an instance where I had a client for years and years that over her lifetime she developed severe rheumatoid arthritis, yet she always had Irish wolfhounds. There came a time when she got down to the last one and we lost that last one and I'm just like, you aren't able to handle these 200-pound dogs. You need to get a smaller dog. She's like, I just can't do it. Hmm. I'm like, okay, well, you're going to have to recruit an army to help you. So (laughs) it's not bad. There are plenty of people in the world actually that seek out pets that have chronic diseases or are three-legged or have some disability. It's amazing. When I was up at the specialty center, we had a veterinary staff member who she and her veterinary husband always adopted cats with disabilities. They had 20. And I saw her recently. I said, how many disabled cats do you have now? She goes, oh, no, we we decided to cut back. <laughs> I'm like, well, then how many do you have? Oh, we have 10. Oh, my gosh. 10 from 20. Yeah, that's, but, you know, that's how people contribute. You contribute by adopting this beautiful puppy, River, who might not go to dog paradise if you hadn't taken him, you know. And I always feel like these, especially people that adopt older pets, I always tell them, well, gee, this this cat or this dog ended up in cat or dog paradise with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They are really lucky. And, you know, there's advantages to adopting an older pet, which you know what you're getting. You know, you know the personality. Most of the time they're house trained, and a lot of times they're leash trained and obedience trained, some not. Sometimes they need dental care or they have a chronic disease, which might cost you some money, but... I mean, puppies cost money, too. You know, there's a series of vaccinations, deworming, spaying, or neutering. So any way you look at it, even if the pet's free, you're going to end up investing some time and money in them. Yeah, That's where insurance can really help. And I'm not an insurance salesman. Right, (laughs) right. It's just, you know, sometimes, and when I read about it and when I think about it, uh, you know, when you see a shelter, a dog in a shelter and and needing needing a home, and there was one thing I read about it today that really made me stop and think, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately anyway, and and my wife has told me that, you know, if I want to get a second dog, that that she's open to it because she thinks... Oh, great. Yeah, she thinks it'd be fun for River, and I think it'd be fun for the family, too. But I read something, Terry. The love and gratitude you receive from a shelter dog is unlike any other, that there will be a greater appreciation, and and that that just really hit home with me and and, and tugged at the heartstrings. Yeah, it depends on the dog, you know. After all, they are dogs. I think that the bond that you have with River 
and you had with Willie and Murphy probably couldn't be exceeded by a shelter dog or cat, especially not a cat in your case. But (laughs) I think that they're like kids. You know, are kids grateful? Well, no. No, not, not until they're really a lot older. I think that your pet has expectations of you just like you have expectations of him or her. I think that there are situations where a dog's been out on the street. We've had a lot of rescues from Texas and Louisiana, you know, that were uh, after the natural disasters. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of those pets actually were street dogs and cats because they survived. They weren't locked up in a house and drowned. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Florida outlawed dog racing, thank goodness. And so there will be a lot of greyhounds available for adoption. And they make they make very good pets. They're interesting and usually pretty laid back and quiet, and they don't mind multiples. They're used to being around a lot of other dogs. Anyway. It's a tough one, though, because I think there are a lot of people out there that are trying to figure out what to do, whether to get a a purebred Mm -hmm. pup from a breeder and then wondering if if a breeder is a reputable breeder or a puppy mill. And then having the, the, the guilt, at least for me, associated with, well, gee, why are you doing that when you could go to a shelter? Yeah, well, and, and you know, I have a friend who... When they lost their cat, it was 21, and it was it was a real uh, trauma to them because they don't have kids. The cat was their kid. Uh, she decided to, she volunteered at the Humane Society um, just to be around and see if there was one that she really wanted. They didn't want a kitten, although my problem is I want every kitten I've ever seen. <laughs> but she did that. That worked out really well, and... Oftentimes, I recommend that to people that want to do rescues. And in addition, if you want a purebred, there are all the purebred rescue groups in the area. And they truly go around and take labs, goldens, whatever their rescue group is focused on. And usually those dogs are placed in foster homes until they find them a forever home. And, you know, you can get to know them if you foster. I mean, that's another way. I've had clients that um, do fostering, and that's how they've ended up with the pets they have. There's that way to get your kind of halfway jump in without mm-hmm. totally committing mm-hmm. so that you can get an idea of what you might like. Because I agree, it's kind of like leaving the country to go adopt a child. Yeah, very much so. Terry, I'm, I'm not pro- equating a dog with a child, but it's the time, the commitment, the responsibility is similar. Well, you can equate a dog with a child with me if you want. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell the twins. (laughs) Yeah, I know. No, I do. I look at River just like I look at my kids, and and they understand that, and uh, maybe they think it's messed up, but I don't care. You know know how much I've always loved my dogs. Of course. Yeah, thanks for your time today. Hey, no problem. Anytime. 
Okay, that's Dr. Terry. And if I have my way, Bark is going to be a huge success at some point, and she's going to be my version of Dr. Phil. I'm going to be <laughs> I'm going to be Oprah, and she's going to be like Dr. Phil. You've got Oprah vibes. Yeah, uh-huh. Dr. Phil. He's on all the time at my house. <laughs> I'm never watching, but my wife is. She just like really. She can't get enough of Dr. Phil. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I head downstairs when Dr. Phil's on. I don't blame you. But our thanks to Dr. Terry here on Bark. I really appreciate it. She made me feel a little better with that interview because uh, you know, saying if I was suited to a certain dog, I should stick with it. And and I do feel that way about golden retrievers. I just absolutely love them. We talked earlier, and we're, we're going to get into this interview with Artith DeVries now from executive director from Old Dog Haven. And I just heard about this organization and... After having a couple older dogs myself, and right now I've got a two-year-old golden retriever, but just seeing what happens during the aging process and, and finding out more about dogs that aren't wanted there at the Humane Society or different shelters, this organization, Old Dog Haven, they take in older dogs and they find shelters all across the Western Washington area for these dogs. They find homes for them. They have fundraisers. And I, I just I wanted to find out more about Old Dog Haven. So we called Artith DeVries, the executive director there. Old Dog Haven was created in late 2004 by our founders, Judith and Lee Piper, um, who are still very, very much involved with uh, with the organization. And um, they started by just adopting a couple of older dogs from a, a shelter in Seattle and were appalled at the number of senior dogs that were in shelters. And they, you know, um, they both said, this can't be. This is just not right. And so, as is often true in the in the rescue world, word got around um, in terms of what they had in mind, and they found uh, people to foster dogs. And now, by now, let's see, we've we've been doing this for about 15 years. Um, we've helped well over 6,000 dogs between the time that we started in uh, 2004 and, and now. So uh, what has turned out to be, you know, what started as just bailing a couple of old guys out of the slammer, you know, we now have over 310 dogs in our homes. We're not a shelter. All of our dogs live in, in private homes with, with families. And our, our foster homes range all the way up and down the whole western Washington coach, all the way from Blaine to um, Olympia. So you've got eight years old and up qualifies, I guess, as an older dog. But it sounds like, uh, from what I read, that more than 90% are final refuge or hospice residents. What could you tell us about yes, that? And, and, what, and that's interesting because in the beginning, what Judith and Lee found was that there were many what we would call young senior dogs in shelters that were really pretty healthy. I mean, maybe they needed a dental or, or something, but they were actually very adoptable. Um, and so we, we were able to adopt quite a few dogs. But what has happened over the years is that We've literally um, become a haven. As of today, 100% of the, the dogs in our care are permanent foster dogs, meaning that they are um, too old, too sick, can't have a, handle another move emotionally, and they are not a dog that, that most people would be interested in adopting. So um, people generally don't go to a shelter to adopt a senior dog. Um, They're looking for puppies. They're looking for younger dogs, although I must say that shelters, at least the ones that we've seen in western Washington, are doing a great job of promoting some of their young seniors. It's, uh, It's a wonderful thing. But, yes, we've changed from 
actually having dogs that are adoptable to those that aren't. But what we do is on our website, I think you probably you probably noticed when you saw it that there are, are pictures of dogs, uh, adoptable dogs in, in Western Washington. We provide a service for people, individuals, other rescue groups, and, and even shelters by posting dogs that are adoptable, that are eight years and older. And, um, and it's a wonderful thing because when people come to our website, they're looking for an older dog. And so they are always in a situation where they have a, a number of dogs to, uh, you know, to choose from that are in Western Washington looking for homes. So um, that has worked out really well. Well, Ardith, well, so here's what caused me to tear up at Starbucks this morning when I was on your website. I saw the line where you said at old, olddoghaven.org, we are committed to helping these dogs find peace in their final years, regardless of our judgment of the humans who have left them. And before I get to the really cool people who have provided foster homes for these older dogs, what, what, what do you find? Uh, does it just run a, a gamut of uh, reasons why people uh, discard their old dogs? Yes, it's it's a whole variety of reasons, Jim. It's uh, I think one of the the, the most difficult and heart wrenching um, things is when an elderly what we call elderly left behinds, where an older person either dies or goes into a care facility and they haven't made any arrangements or plans for the dog, and the dog ends up in a shelter. That's a, a major reason. Um, other things include uh, people moving and they don't want to take the dog. Um, there's a divorce in the family, and neither of the two people wants to have the dog. They, uh, mm. people, uh, very often with babies and young children, they don't want a, an older dog in the house anymore. And it's a, it's a whole variety of reasons. Uh, we also take in a number of dogs that have been brought to shelters by animal control uh, from situations of hoarding or neglect or abuse. We find homes with our wonderful fosters for them as well. And so it's not just one reason, it's just a whole variety of, of reasons. And uh, in many cases, cases, um, older dogs sometimes require a little more medical care as they age, uh, as do people, and people are often not uh, able to afford what it costs to take care of a senior dog. And the thing about Old Dog Haven, which you read on the website, I'm sure, is that um, Old Dog Haven pays for all the veterinary costs for all of the dogs in our care. Um, what our foster families do is they provide um, love and safety and security and endless trips to the vet <laughs> to have mm-hmm. this treatment or that procedure or whatever. It's a very costly kind of operation, but um, well worth it. <laughs> oh, well I bet. Artith, what, what are typical characteristics of uh, people who take in an older dog that you found? They are rescuers at heart. <laughs> Whether it's, um, you know, they, they want to make a difference. Our foster families are people who want to pay it forward in some way. Maybe they've had a dog in their lives that has taught them uh, a great deal, and they would like to help another dog that is in need. And they are not interested in puppies particularly. They are interested in older dogs who are, are you know, so grateful for a second chance at happiness and are amazingly resilient and adaptable. And so we have fosters who are absolutely selfless. I mean, they, they turn their lives around. Um, you know, they forego vacations and all kinds of things just so that they can be there and be available to, you know, to care for the dogs that, that they're fostering. They have to be special people. And, and I just... They are special people. We couldn't possibly even do what we do um, without our foster families. I mean, they're, they're extraordinary. Um, the lengths that they go 
to ensure that the uh, that the dogs are comfortable and happy and have what they need. And even because an older dog is not going to live as long as a younger dog that you take into your family. And, uh, you know, our families, they get it. They understand that um, dogs live in the moment. And they're there to provide as many possible happy moments as they can. And we have foster families who continuously come back and say to us, I'd like another dog. Um, and they want to be considered for another foster, even though the dog that they cared for for X number of days, weeks, months, years um, has has gone. Um, they're ready to do it all over again. Well, wow, that is so cool because I, I'm on my third dog and going through the death of, of two dogs that I've had and how how sad it is and how you you're trying to avoid having to go through that again and for someone to take on a dog that's 10 or 11 years old knowing that the time mm-hmm. is limited and going through that that that's why I'm right. thinking boy these are really special people well and the, and the other thing too that our fosters understand is that um, the dogs that come to them regardless of their past situation when they when they die they deserve to be mourned they deserve to have someone grieve for them um, they deserve to be to be honored and and we hear this time and time again from our fosters that they are willing to take on another dog in memory of the dog that has just left to honor that dog's presence in their life. They feel like it's a way of paying it forward. Well, I think it's great, too, because on your website, olddoghaven.org, you have tips on handling grief and and the way you remember dogs that have passed. How can people help if they if they want to contribute? Oh, my. We are always looking for volunteers. We are always looking for foster homes. Our website has um, pretty extensive instructions on what you do if you'd like to be a a, a foster home. Um, You know, we are completely and totally donation-driven. We don't receive any kind of government funding or state funding. And so all of our resources come from people who donate and support us. And and we have have, uh, people who hold little fundraisers. Um, Just the other day, a little six-year-old girl decided that in Instead of birthday presents, she wanted money for for the dogs at Old Dog Haven, and so she ended up collecting, you know, probably almost two hundred dollars, which is a lot of money for a little six-year-old kid. And she is sponsoring three dogs. That's another way that people can help. Um, Choose a dog on the website that they kind of like would like to be a part of that dog's life and uh, um, be a sponsorship. And so um, there's a whole section on our website about how people can help. Oh, that's great. And it looks like you have a, do you have an annual event called Walk for Old Dogs? Oh, we do. This is our big doggy do. It is the largest gathering of senior dogs um, held in the United States. This summer, it'll be July 21 at, at Cromwell Park um, in Shoreline. And it's an experience. If you have any time that day to come by, um, you'll never forget it because to see all of these people, whether they're part of the Old Dog Haven family or whether they're just people in, in, in general, come with their senior dogs, and all dogs are welcome, um, doesn't matter what, how old they are, and so proud of their dogs. And so, you know, we have a, a pageant and we have uh, the actual walk where people get sponsorships to, you know, help them raise money for, for us because that's, you know, a necessary part of what we do. But, um, yeah, it's a big deal. Boy, Artith, I've really enjoyed talking to you today, and I appreciate your time. And uh, how rewarding is it to you? Oh, my life has gone to the dogs, and I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I can say. It's just um, I, have, um, I have four dogs. 
um, all seniors, um, uh, just took in a new dog on Monday, and um, it's just part of who I am. Well, I enjoyed talking to Artist DeVries because uh, mm. that organization, with what they're doing, and it, it's it's heartbreaking, too, to hear about the reason people get rid of old dogs. Yeah. I mean, all these different things, you know. May, well, sometimes, I mean, if a person dies, then, you know, but you should still make, you should make plans for what's going to happen uh, with your dog. But, uh, yeah, and then going, all these different things, going through a divorce or there's neglect. But then on the other side of it, you have these special people that are taking these dogs into their homes. Yeah. I have very strong reactions to that interview. I just think it's so wonderful. It warms my heart to know that these dogs, they're so appreciative, you know? And that's been my experience with my older cats. Like, they're just so happy to be with you, to be in a home. Like, they really get it. And Do you think they know? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, because I, you you like to think they would, because whatever they came from that wasn't good, and then where where they are, where all of a sudden it's really good. Yeah, yeah, maybe I, I would think that there'd be a greater appreciation. One hundred percent, and that factors into the equation when you decide to get an older animal, because like you said earlier in the episode, you've got that you don't want to deal with that grief again. That's, I think that's the thing that keeps most people away from adopting older animals is it's going to die in a couple years and I don't want to go through that again. I want to I stretch that out as long as possible. But what I don't think you realize unless you, you get an older animal is that time, even though it's shorter, really packs a punch. There's, there's a lot of impact because that animal is totally grateful. You totally feel it. And it's just a, there's a little special something to it well yeah to to give them however many years they have left give them what they deserve you know a Mm -hmm. good rest of their life and the the part that really stuck home with me too was those dogs when they die they deserve to be mourned Mm -hmm. and and so many dogs are discarded and so what they're doing there at old dog haven uh really appreciate that so our thanks to dr terry today this issue of breeder versus rescuer it's a personal choice and i honestly think i think the next time uh, if I have a next time, if I live, <laughs> if I live long enough to have a next time, it, it's possible. I'm, I'm going to be 62 this month, and so I'm thinking, okay, this might be my last dog. So, But if there is a next time, I think I'm probably going to go the rescue route because mm. I'm, I'm just starting to feel too guilty about this. And um, You're it, an old dog yourself now. Yeah, I'm an old dog myself. <laughs> I certainly am. I'm all of that. So, yeah, it was, it was fun getting into that. Our next episode, we're going to talk about walking your dog. I... I I think you don't want to miss this one because I've got a great story for you, a personal story about a guy that confronted me on a hiking trail outside of outside of Bellevue, Washington, so you don't want to miss that. But as for today, thank you so much for listening. We're still looking for a sponsor for Bark. You could come to my rescue. Come to my rescue here. You know what? I'm reduced to begging. I'm like a dog at a dinner table now. You call me an old dog. I've got this sad face, and I'm looking up at you right now. And I'm begging for food. I'm begging for scraps. And I'm t- let me tell you why I'm begging for scraps. Because I don't want Bark to die. I don't want Bark to die. And Bark is on its last pause. It's, it really is. Bark is on its last pause. We haven't found a sponsor yet. We're into our second season. And someone out there, come to my rescue. I will hold you in the highest regard. And honestly, and, and I think Aaron can vouch for this, I'm not looking to break the bank here. Nope. I'm just do I just want to do enough to to keep the company happy 
and to keep Bark going because of my passion for dogs. I talk about sports in the afternoon on a weekday show, but between the Seahawks and dogs, I love dogs more than the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather keep talking about them if I can, and you could possibly help if you'd like to. My Twitter handle is CoogsGo. Don't ask how I got that handle. It's goofy, I know, but I didn't know what I was doing back in 2009 when I got my handle. CoogsGo, C-O-U-G-S-G-O, if you want to contact me there, or Jim Moore, the go-to guy at yahoo.com. There's a story behind that one, too. I know that I'm not everyone's go-to guy, but for email purposes, it's Jim Moore, the go-to guy, numeral two, at yahoo.com. For feedback, or if you want to sponsor, or if you want to give me a hard time about anything, feel free to do that. Last thing before I let you go here on the second episode of the second season, don't forget, if you have a golden retriever, pigmentary uvitis is a is an eye disease that my dog had, my last dog, Willie. If you find out about it, if you get it treated early enough, your dog won't go blind like mine did. So think about it. Pigmentary uvitis, have your golden treated when you get a chance. Thanks for joining us today on Bark. Bark.